You're listening to the Park Ave Pulpit, a podcast of our latest sermons at Park Avenue Baptist Church, a progressive community in Atlanta, Georgia, where all are welcomed and celebrated. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. You can also visit or donate online at parkavbaptist.com. In the land of $5 lattes and restaurants to fuel every appetite, here in America we can eat the juiciest steak, fall off the bone pork ribs, the most exotic fish, shrimp, crab legs, collard greens, and pinto beans. Even a $20 salad. In a land that has so much abundance, still every night, 14 million children are going to bed and to school home. 842 million people suffer from hunger worldwide. That's 12% of the world's population. 98% of those individuals suffer in countries that are still developing. And because of this epidemic, 9 million people die each year from hunger. Of those that are hungry, most are women, 60%. And because it is women, then the children suffer, and the leading cause of death amongst children, three, 9 million people to be exact, is hunger. Locally, here in Atlanta, one out of every seven Point five people, or 755,000 people in Metro Atlanta and North Georgia have to turn to food pantries and meal service programs to feed themselves and their families. 78 or 76% of those people are choosing between paying for food or paying for utilities. 82% are choosing between paying for food or paying for transportation. 73% of them are choosing between paying for food or paying for medicine or medical care. 62% are choosing between paying for food and housing. So why today with so much food insecurity do we find ourselves preaching and quoting and reading these familiar words of Jesus that can seem insensitive super spiritual or just plain on. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So Brandon alluded to earlier uh, that you joined us today for the second in a six-week sermon series called On the Other Hand. It's more of a conversation between two pastors and a familiar text from Scripture where we ask questions, share insights that we come away with, and where at times we struggle. And like Jen said, our text this morning comes from John's Gospel, and I wonder, we in this room and the 842 million people who are at times hungry, much less the people who heard Jesus firsthand during that time, I wonder if we understand the words of Jesus this morning. Yeah, they're familiar, right? So familiar sometimes we don't even think to process them in different ways. Uh, Why would Jesus use this metaphor? 
If you look at the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus is often going around saying, I am this or I am that. I am the light of the world and I am the good shepherd of hope and John. I am the true vine and probably the most famous, I am the way, the truth, the life. Also, John, it, it's a thing. It seems to be that the writer of the Gospel of John is giving this like Jesus' sermon style. He shows up and says, I am blank. People are like, huh? And he says, let me elaborate. So, so here in chapter 6, it's all about food and food security. And folks are not quite sure what exactly Jesus is talking about. Something physical or something more abstract. A crowd has gathered in Capernaum. And it's to hear Jesus teach. It's really important for us to locate where this story happens in the scripture. Because it happens just the day after Jesus has fed 5,000 plus people with just five loaves and two fish. Remember that story? Right? It's just the day after. And so as the crowd realizes that Jesus is no longer on the other side, they go across the, the lake and they come into the synagogue. I assume, having fed um, thousands of people the day before, that, that this might have been a high attendance day for the synagogue. <laughs> and they gather around Jesus and they sit to listen to him teach. And before he can even really get started good, someone says, now where did you come from again? Jesus realizes, the text tells us pretty quickly, that what they are after is another meal. Yesterday's miracle meal is not even completely digested, and their mouths are watering for whatever is on today's menu. So Jesus takes a breath and elevates the conversation. He, he moves from the everyday to a more eternal understanding. He says, don't go ch chasing after things that satisfy only briefly. You're making a big deal about the food itself and ignoring the importance of the person who's providing that meal. Okay, Jim. I have to, on the other hand, this one. We are in that sermon. It's true. I would ask the question, did Jesus even know what it felt like to be home? Like having eaten in days home. They had just eaten until they were full. And maybe a lot of the people in his presence had never felt that feeling before. And they were trying to find the guy that did that so that he could do it again. I'm just saying, did he understand what it meant to feel home? Yeah, I get that. It, it does seem, if you're reading the scripture just as it stated, that Jesus is being a little bit insensitive. Like, calm down, y'all. I know that you're hungry. I did that yesterday. Don't ask again. Right? Um, Jesus really, it seems to be focused on getting them to think past this physical meal. To really um, cue into, or clue into, rather, what, who Jesus is and what is happening in their midst. This eternal, life-giving, soul-nourishing, a gift from God who loves them and wants to provide for their needs. I can understand that. But you must also understand it's not a one-and-done conversation. Throughout the chapter 6, Jesus is basically arguing back and forth with people in the crowd. It is a very on-the-other-hand situation. Yeah, they bring up the long-told story of the Exodus, where their ancestors were fed by manna from heaven. 
And Jesus reminds them that it was God and not Moses that provided that, provided that manna. And just like that manna, Jesus was sent from heaven from God to provide for them in spiritual ways. But then they question who he is. They say, hey, wait, aren't you, aren't you Joseph and Mary's kid? What you talking about sent from heaven? Yeah, then Jesus goes on to try to explain his eternal nature. He gives a spoiler to like what's going to happen on the cross in verse 51, saying, The bread of life I give for the world is my flesh. And of course, they think he's talking about cannibalism. Yeah, if you read it, it's all in there. This teaching moment is going so poorly <laughs> that even Jesus' disciples say it's too much. Read the end of the chapter. It's too hard to understand, they say. And, and at the end, before we get to chapter 7, it tells us that many of the people who were following Jesus up to that point, including, including some of the disciples, left that day over a food conversation. Because this was so hard to understand. We take it for granted because we've heard it so much. But this text, this thing Jesus is talking about was a big, hard, almost un-understandable, don't turn that's a word, uh, part of his story. Yeah. Was so, this? Yeah, I can understand that. I, I still don't get it. Yeah. Was this the day that Jesus saw coming? Was this the time of teaching or preaching he had planned, arguing and being misunderstood to the point that folks got up and walked away? Is this the way the crowd thought this day would end? Searching for a teacher who literally the day before made food from no food, only to be left confused and hungry again. So the question is for us today is, what about us? You may be asking that question, what do we do? How do we learn from these words of Jesus in our day? Many people are turned off by these easy answers like, if you trust in God, you'll never feel hungry. Especially if you are hungry. Many people are walking away from church and Christianity because they think all we give are those easy answers. But I think, you know, honestly, if... What we really haven't done is given folks the whole story and given them the ability to ask questions and think about it in new ways. We haven't been intentional as pastors or as teachers or as fellow believers to teach folks that scripture can be read in conversation with our lives and with itself. This text is a perfect example. Jesus is not dismissing the crowd's physical needs. Ignoring their actual hunger and just waxing poetic about being the bread of life. He's not just doing that. Jesus had already met their physical need. Just the day before, he had fed everyone until they were full. Then he could kind of flip the script and point them to something that was higher. If we are about the things of Jesus, we have to do both. Yeah, and when and if the conversation turns towards more spiritual matters... When someone questions, what do these things mean? Have an open and honest conversation about it. And then we have the chance to connect our faith with action. So, what do we do? Food banks, food pantries, 
food drives and fundraising events are those for those in need of the very hands and feet of Jesus. August 25th, as you've been told before, we here at this church are having a food drive to support the Atlanta Food Bank. This will directly affect those who are hungry, those who are in poverty, those who have read these words from Christ and they cannot find hope in them. Yeah, these words can be a challenge if they seem new, or they can be so familiar that we don't stop to think. And so if we need to question their meaning, we need to think about what, how it sounds for people who are lacking daily bread. We don't have to read the text at face value. We can see the context in which it was written and also let it be questioned by our own experience. And honestly, the more we walk alongside those who are in need, the more we lend a helping hand to those who are hungry and thirsty, the more these words become closer and closer to reality, the more we can share in our times where God has sustained us through life's troubles and life's hardships, the more we can find connections, and these words can live again in our day. We have to be careful not to boil scripture down to mean-worthy catchphrases that risk ostracizing those with a different lived experience. So our best bet is to live Jesus' example of meeting physical needs before dropping these big spiritual truths. Yeah, that might not go viral or get a slow hand clap of praise. But we don't do it for the notoriety. We do it because we are people of God. And quite honestly, family, it's our job. Yeah, and along the way, if we come to places in Scripture where the answer seems at face value to be too easy, or doesn't seem to just sit right in our spirit, that's okay. Maybe you have some questions for the text. Maybe you need to even give some pushback to what's happening and start a conversation. And in the midst of all of that, don't be afraid to say, on the other hand. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, tell a friend and subscribe. As we like to say on Sunday mornings, now go into a world that is too often unjust, knowing that the God who created you loves you and empowers you to live boldly, love inclusively, and serve creatively. Until next time.